Hey, welcome to another episode of the Delayed Gratification Podcast, where we talk about building wealth over time. Listen, over the past few episodes, it's been so amazing interviewing these guests and understanding how they're building wealth and what it takes. Today, it's going to be like no other, though. I got my brother from New York here. Y'all, he's getting ready to take it to another level. The self-storage king is what I call him. He don't even know that I call him that. But the self-storage king, young man, has taken the world by storm. Listen, man, what's up, man? What's going on, bro? Man, good to see you, bro. Yes, good sir. to see you, yes, man. Sir. Listen, so here. can you introduce yourself? Yes. Ramel New Worlds, 30 years old. Born and raised in Brooklyn, just like anybody else. <laughs> Story similar, welfare, food stamps, um, you name it, you know. Commercial real estate investor, commercial real estate coach as well. Own over 30 units in the self-storage space. And I'm just here to impact the world. That's all I'm here to do. Just leave a leave a legacy. Man, you so humble, man. We're not even going to start this off today. Listen, this <laughs> is a new quarter, new yeah. year, new season. Mm -hmm. How many units you own right now? Right now, a little over 300. And um, right now Ooh. we have under contract uh, 241 units, three facilities right now under contract to close. So... It'll be uh, a little under 600 So units. you just said you got 300 units of self-storage units. The self-storage, yeah. That you own. Yep. But you also own other real estate. Absolutely. Wow. 30 years old. 30 years old. You sure you're 30? I think so. <laughs> Let me see your birth certificate. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So self-storage. How did you get into self-storage? Um, so I started out in real estate eight years ago. Nine years ago, uh, my very first deal was a two-family brownstone in Brooklyn. Right, I love brownstone. Town. Brownstone. Um, so I started out cold calling, sending out text messages, just trying to find motivated sellers, and I got the pre-foreclosure list. Right, so I started reaching out to a bunch of motivated sellers. I came across this one property in particular. Family was going through pre-foreclosure distress. They owed about sixty thousand dollars in you know back mortgage payments. And um, I was able to get the property under contract for $590,000, right? For a two-family. For a two-family in Brooklyn. And you know in these Brooklyn. prices is sky high. <laughs> now that property is worth way more. But this was back in 2015, 16, okay. around that time. And I didn't have the money. So I teach people how to go out there, buy real estate, commercial real estate, with no money down strategies, you know, creatively. I was coming out of college. I was working at Pepsi as a sales rep. So... Filling up the coolers with Gatorade and Pure Leaf Tea. That was me 4 a.m., 5 a.m. And I didn't qualify for a mortgage of $590,000. So I was going to wholesale the property. However, with the short sale, they, was, they wouldn't allow me to wholesale it. Mm. But I would see other people offer me $100,000 assignment fees. And I said, there's no way I'm going to let this deal go. Because if somebody's willing to offer me $100,000 assignment fee, I know I can make two, three, four times if I can still pull this deal together. So I started going out, networking, bringing my business cards, and I end up coming across an older lady who could be my grandmother, but she's a broker, been in the business 20, 30 years. And she said, I see something in you. I want to help you out. Mm -hmm. And then she connected me to another investor that she knew that had been in the business for a long time. I showed him the deal. He put up the entire amount, $590,000 for me. I put no money out of my pocket. I just had to give him 50% equity in the deal. Okay. So we put about 40000 in renovations, put it on the market, sold it for $1.2 million. Ooh. Made six figures in real estate, my very first deal. Your first deal? Very first deal. Oh, you knew that was meant to be. It, at that point, I thought, I'm rich. Like, <laughs> now I know it's not rich, but back then, 25 years old, $157,000 check after I split my commissions, paid all the fees, liens, everything associated with the deal. When I was making $55,000 at Pepsi, it would have mm. took me three, four years to make what I made in one transaction in real estate. So with that money, I doubled down, bought more properties to another two family, a three family, four family. You keep saying you were working at Pepsi. Were you still working at Pepsi? I was still working at Pepsi. Okay. So I was doing this part-time, you know, but I was still working at Pepsi at the same time, just making it happen. On the weekends, I'm going and checking out deals. I'm calling up sellers on my lunch break. I, I was doing everything possible. You didn't quit as soon as you got that check? Negative. Why not? I mean, I got to ask. I mean, <laughs> because this is, this is what social media says. Just don't quit. No, I didn't quit because I knew that it was just a one hit of quit. I need to prove to myself that I could do this time and time again. Okay. So, you know, and plus my job, it was giving me paychecks. So I get my W-2s. It could qualify me for a mortgage. So I, I knew I had a strategy. I wasn't just going to jump out there just because I made 157000 but I bought about 40 units, 40 doors, right, total. And then what started happening in 2020, 
Hold on, no, you you going a little fast. Okay, you, saying you bought forty doors. Yeah, forty doors. Between, cause you're just thirty now. Yes, right. And yeah. so you you three hundred plus units. I mean, you got three hundred plus self storage units. You got mm-hmm. two hundred plus up under contract to yep. close soon. Yep. But you also got traditional residential real estate. That's a fact. Let me before we let, before we go to self storage. Okay. Right, let me right, let's cool. go back. Let's go back. All right, all right, cool. You start buying it this deal when you was about twenty two years old. This first wholesale. Deal. So I got it under contract at twenty two. It took me three years to close. I closed on it at twenty twenty. Uh, 25 years old. Did you? Yeah. For that one deal? That one deal. Is that because you were in New York and it takes longer with the foreclosure process or is it because you, you had to, like how long did you have it on the contract? I had to, so it was a short sale, right? So we had Got to you. submit the short sale. They denied it. Had to go back to the process and you know, short sales take a very long time. And um, I was working with the seller. She had filed a bankruptcy, which paused the foreclosure. So it was a lot of moving parts throughout that three years, but I knew if I get this deal done, this is going to change the trajectory of my what's life. A, what's a short sale? So a short sale is when um, a property owner falls behind on their mortgage, mm-hmm. and now the bank is starting the process of a foreclosure. So now I just work directly with the bank to negotiate a buyout price. Gotcha. So the seller, they actually owed almost $700,000, and the bank agreed to $590,000 and waived the balance so that the seller doesn't have a foreclosure on their credit. So that was five, six years ago. So we were still on the upward trajectory in the market. So the, the banks were still a little bit afraid. They didn't know what was going to happen in that 2020, 2021, where it just went crazy. Nah. So they, that's why you got the short sale, probably. Absolutely. All right, so that one took you. So that was your first deal, and it took you three years. Three years. Why didn't you give up? That's a great question. Um, I just knew I didn't want to settle. Right. I see my dad work. He always told me, never settle for a job. Mm. The job stands for just over broke. And there's nothing wrong with having a job, but at what point do you have something of your own? I've seen him work 20, 30 years and retire and didn't have a million dollars in his bank account. You know, I've seen him work 50, 60 hours and would miss basketball practice. He would miss certain events. He's putting food on the table, lights is on, but I knew I didn't want to go down that path. So mm-hmm. me not wanting to be that was my burning desire to make sure I'm going to do anything possible to get this deal done. So you're still working at Pepsi? Yes. It's keeping the bills paid. Absolutely. Right? It's, I mean, 55000 is a lot when you're 23, yeah, yeah. 24 years old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you're in New York, though, so 55000 New York yeah. is different than 55000 in a lot of places. That's true. But it's still fifty five. You're going to check every single week, mm-hmm. a decent check. Three years it takes to do the first deal. What are you doing between 22 and 25 other than working on this deal? And working your job. This is all I'm doing. Honestly, there's nothing else that's more important to me besides even. So even when I was working at Pepsi, right, I tried to um, get an FHA loan. Mm-hmm. And then with the FHA, you have to live within a certain distance in order for them to qualify you for the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, Pepsi had promoted me to a new role and they moved me to Pennsylvania. I asked them to move me back. <laughs> to New York. I said, I'll take a different role, like demote me, whatever you got to do to get me back so I can qualify for the um, FHA. Yes. And that still didn't go through. So I even moved jobs. I took a different position. I was doing just, just strictly focused on my real estate business and then also learning. I like to share this working at Pepsi. Not only did the money help me f- pay for my living expenses, but more so understanding organizational structure, understanding leadership understanding marketing. So I'm looking at how is this company working inside out and now I need to apply it to my business. So you can say the job, not just financially, but it benefited you in your entrepreneurial world. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to that. Absolutely. I, I got it. Now I got to go from 25 to 30. Mm-hmm. When did you, when did you buy your first self storage unit? How old were you? I was, it was two years ago. Two years ago. So 28. 28. So from 25 to 28, you had bought 40 units. Correct. Three years. Three years. From first deal to 40 units in 36 months. Mm-hmm. You buying a, a door a month, pretty much. I mean, if you count it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was that like, those three years? Like, how did you, you did the first deal, you had a little capital, you had your job. How did you continue to start, like, buying? Because you sold that one, so I that did. didn't count. It didn't count, no. How did you buy that first unit? 
So the money that I made from selling that property, mm -hmm. I ended up using a down payment to go buy another two family and I leveraged hard money. So okay. um, they gave me 75% loan of value and I came to the table with the other 20, 25%. Okay. Um, but I bought it from an auction too. So I went to auction.com and this is all from learning experience, right? I didn't know no better. I got this first deal, made a bunch of money, but then now I go into my next deal. I blindly buy something off the auction with the auction.com. You can't walk the property. You just blindly buying and hoping that, okay, you're getting at a decent price. So I bought that property. I got burnt by contractors. I overspent and now I found myself being in a hole. Mm. And, um, I wouldn't, that's when I got into business credit. And I started getting lines of credit, credit cards, and bought more properties, and I hit a brick wall. So I want to talk about that as well, because yes, from 25 to 28, I acquired all of these units, but in 2020, that's when my real estate business started to crumble because I didn't have a strong foundation. What do you mean crumble? So... What does I, okay. I got to know, because you always smiling too, man, so <laughs> I really want to know what does... So 2020... Mm-hmm. Was the year. I'm going to say. I'm going to call it. Yes. And a lot of us felt something different. Mm -hmm. But you said crumble. So you had 40 units and something wasn't right. Yes. What happened? So this is 2020. I left my corporate job. You retired in 2020. You, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, I retired. <laughs> and because um, I, I said I got 40 units. I got this passive income coming. In. That's more than what my job is paying yes. me. I'm set. So now I leave my job. Next thing you know, COVID happens. So I wasn't expecting COVID to happen. None of us expected COVID mm -hmm. to happen. Nobody. And um, when COVID happened, they had the eviction ban where you couldn't evict tenants because of monetary reasons. And where I, because of where I was buying, I was buying in low-income areas where the job market was not as stable and, you know, low-income, everybody's tight. You give the tenants a reason to say, I don't have to pay. They're not paying. They're not paying. But I'm stuck with the mortgage now. So I'm mm -hmm. still paying the mortgage, taxes, water, maintenance, but I'm not getting the cash flow. Mm -hmm. And I don't have my job no more to support me as well. So, you know, that's when I say I started to crumble a little bit because I, I got worried now. You know, how I'm going to keep up with these mortgages? How I don't have my job anymore. Do I go back and get a job? Like, these are the things that I started battling around that time. Mm. So what happened? I started selling off a few of my properties. So, you know, in 2020, yes, people stopped paying their mortgages in some places it depending on what type of properties you have and tenants however the market was at a sky high you know yes. interest rates was low people was paying 20 30 40 thousand over asking yes. price so i said okay maybe if i liquidate some of my properties i'll get some cash in and then i'll try to figure out my next move mm -hmm. one of my properties and this is how i got into the self-storage business right so one of my properties i had a buyer that was offering me twenty thousand dollars over asking price he just wanted me to make sure that the property was vacant. It was a two-family. Because it's different getting tenants out of New York than it is like in Georgia. In Georgia, we out in 30 to 45 days. In New York, it's whenever they want to leave. Whenever they, yeah, that's whenever. <laughs> you be like, that's a whole different process right there. So, you know, I um I offer him cash for keys. Okay. I said, hey, here go $2,000. Can you just leave? I don't care what you owe me. I just, I just need you to get out of here because I want to get this property sold mm -hmm. so I can get my capital and I can start moving around again and get back in the game. He accepted, but he also said, I need 90 days. Can you put my items in a storage unit while I'm finding my next place? You know, I'll be staying at a family member's house. And I can't bring all my stuff there. And that's when I started to look for storage units in the area and everything was sold out. Everything was booked up. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything in the area and I started scratching my head. I said, hold on here. That's when a light bulb went off. I said, I need to be on this side of the business. What's happening? That's when I started to do more research, Googling and YouTube University. And then I found, I came across a mastermind. I flew out to Arizona and um, it was just a whole new world. You know, it was the self-storage world. Yep. So that was just two years ago. Yep. yep. Man, you taking the world by storm yeah, with this thing, ago. right? <laughs> so you sell that to family. Mm-hmm. Then what's next? You start learning the self storage business, you're getting the masterminds, but you still haven't bought a self storage unit. I use when I sold that property, I used that prop those profits to go buy my first self storage facility. Just like that. Yeah. Well, it took I would say four or five months of me actually learning the business. And even my first facility, I feel like I overpaid. I didn't really understand. Now that I'm more experienced, I, I see why I could have, you know, got a better deal. Um, but either way, 
what I seen from it was day and night from me being in a residential space and then now being in a commercial space, specifically self-storage. But you you learned about something mm-hmm. and within six months mm-hmm. you had pulled the trigger and purchased a self-storage facility. Absolutely. How big was it? It was 88 units. You still got it? I still got it. You going to keep it? Yeah, I'm keeping it. Is that like that one where you can show the grandkids on the wall? Well, if I get the right price for it. So my my exit strategy right now is to buy all the mom and pops, Mm -hmm. build them up, get them cash flow and increase the value, and then maybe cash out to the big dogs, you know, because a lot of these REITs, they're coming in here and they're paying top dollars. So that's my strategy right now. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. What does that mean, buying the mom and pops? Like what the – like – so when I see self storage and I think about self storage, I think about how um, what's public, the orange and white storage. one? That's the orange and white one. Um, um, extra space, you all correct. Public right. storage is, is is the orange and white. Okay, so those are what? What would you call those? Those not mom and pop. No, those are, those are corporate. Those okay. are and those are REITs. So um, the big dogs are public storage. Mm-hmm. You have extra space, life storage. Um, I just saw one of those the other day. Yeah. Extra space, public storage, life storage. Uh, what's the other? Cube Smart. So you don't buy those. I don't buy those. But they come up for sale. They do, but it's way out of my price range. <laughs> <laughs> way out of my price range. I, I can't afford that. I got one. you. I got you. Mm-hmm. But so when you say mom and pops, how do you? Why do you call them mom and pops? And how do you find those? I call them mom and pops because they're individual owners, like me and you. Got gotcha. you. Know? So similar to you may have. This person who bought their first multifamily and they owned it for 20, 30 years. Yes. It's independent owners that been running their business 15, 20, 30 years, and they get to the point where they want to retire, they mm-hmm. want to get out of it, and we go buy them. You know, and 80% of the self-storage business is mom and pop. We only see the big dogs because that's what we notice, mm-hmm. um, but the majority of the self-storage business is small, independent owner operators. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So now you are marketing or, or reaching out to mom and pop operations to mm-hmm. see if they can buy. Because normally, like you said, they're getting tired. They may want to retire. Mm-hmm. But question is, why would you even ever want to retire from this business? Because I want to go, like, we got to go into this. This mm-hmm. is one that when I watch you and you light up and you start talking about it, mm-hmm. why would I ever retire from it, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're reaching out to these folks, why are they selling? Like, give me the top three reasons why they would sell to you. So I'll use the example for right now. We have a we have three facilities on the contract right now. The owner is 71 years old. He owned the facility for 25 years. He has two kids, but his kids don't want nothing to do with the facility. They don't, they wanna, they don't, they seen the, the dad, his dad, they seen their dad do a lot of hard labor. You know, he's an old school guy. Really, he, he works in the utility field. So he um puts up, he works for Verizon and self-storage is his side business and it's pretty simple for him. But now he's ready to retire, travel the world with his wife, and he just don't want to manage a business anymore. So one reason could be you just, I'm ready to get out of it, spend my life doing other things. Mm-hmm. Number two could be somebody goes and they buy it incorrectly. You may overpay, right? And now that you overpay, you don't have the same income coming in to cover your expenses on it, uh, mismanagement. What a lot, of, a lot of things that I see is people buy self-storage facilities when they have other businesses. So... Um, you may have someone that owns a warehouse, right? Mm-hmm. And this is actually a, a, a property that we were actually in the, in the process of um, getting on the contract when negotiating. But he owns a warehouse, and the self-storage came with the warehouse when he bought it. But mm-hmm. he focuses on his warehouse business and not really his self-storage. He doesn't manage it. So now that's the situation where he wants to sell because I don't even have the time to even focus on figuring out how to automate it, how to manage it. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, um, yeah, so it's pretty much people that's owned it for so long, mm-hmm. ready to get out of it, mismanagement, and if you buy incorrectly, you just kind of financially strapped. Gotcha, gotcha. So you bought the 88 unit. Mm-hmm. Can I be nosy? How much did you pay for it? 750000 750000 750000 Where was that? Pennsylvania. So seven fifty was it up and running, great shape, the whole nine turnkey, turnkey. Some deferred maintenance, but I don't have to really do any. I didn't have to do anything right right away. Was that a no money out of your pocket deal? Technically, no money out of. I still I had to come to the table with ten percent down, but I raised that ten percent 
through private lenders and, and investors okay. a month. So no money out of your pocket. No money out of my pocket. Because you know how I always say that, right? <laughs> no money out of my pocket. <laughs> no money out of your pocket. Somebody else's pocket, yeah. But, not but, but, you, but you got great returns. You analyzed the deal pretty good. Absolutely. Why do you feel like you kind of overpaid for that one? What, what has happened over the past two years where you look back and say, well, maybe I paid a little bit too much for that? What happened? Because now that I'm more knowledgeable about the business mm-hmm. and have more experience in it, I see that um, I bought it at a higher cap rate. I mean, at a lower cap rate than I should have, right? And what I've learned throughout the industry you know, over the last couple of years is the cap rate is typically two to three points above interest, right? Okay. And um, and it varies, obviously, but that's kind of like a standard that we go by in the self-storage industry. And I bought it at a 6% cap rate. And at that time, interest rate, the rate they gave me was a 475 um, so I feel like I, I overpaid a little bit, but also my cash flow is not as strong as I as the as the newer facilities that I purchased. So I just you know seen a few things as far as um those numbers are concerned. So you measure the value of the building by cap rate. Absolutely. What is cap rate? If I can ask. So cap rate is a is a very like tricky term uh, term, but the way I would describe it is. It's um, how long am I going to get my money back to pay off that entire purchase? Gotcha. How long is it going to take me to um, pretty much pay off the entire duration? So it's almost like return on investment. Uh, absolutely. But it doesn't factor in your how you finance it. It's just straight how, how long it takes for me to get my money back, absolutely. whether it be my down payment or whatever it is. So so the cap rate is the total. Like If you paid $750,000, mm-hmm. how long is it going to take? For that entire seven hundred fifty thousand to be paid off, right? Okay. Um, so that's one formula. The other formula that I like to use is my cash on cash return. Gotcha. So that's how long am I going to get my down payment back, the money out of my pocket? Okay. I may have financed six hundred thousand, but I only put down one hundred and fifty thousand. How long is it going to take me to get back my one hundred and fifty thousand? That is my cash on cash. Return. So cash on cash, ROI and cap rate. Could technically be the same yeah. if I spent all cash. There you go. Right. There you go. But if I finance it, mm-hmm. it's different. Absolutely. The cash on cash and ROI is the same thing, but the cap rate will be different. Absolutely. Gotcha. Gotcha. All mm-hmm. right. You know, we have to. Here you we go. We got to know. We got to yeah. know. So, yeah. so you said that you had a lower cap rate, mm-hmm. right? What does that mean? Because I know in multifamily, they always say when you see lower cap rates, and it's not true, but means the areas are supposed to be better, mm-hmm. right? The higher the cap rate, you know, we got to deal with something different. Is that the same in self-storage? Same exact thing. Okay. Yeah. So what is your, what are you looking for in cap rate when you, now? I'm looking for 8 to 10% cap rate. 8 to 10%. Yeah. So that means you're going to get your money back in 12 to, 10 to 12 years. Correct. Is that good or bad? For me, that's good. Okay. Because if I have a free and clear facility in 10, 12 years, I'm 30 years old. By the time I turn 45, I'm sitting on all of these, you know, facilities that's paid off. I'm cool. You know, I'm cool on that. That's faster than when my job could help me get free and clear. But you, so, up. man, you're 30, and you, your mindset is so different. Because I talk to people, and they say, man, and I always say, and you'll see me, you know, I talk about it, that <laughs> 8 to 10% return mm-hmm. is really, really good. Yeah. People always tell me no. If you look at the comments, they're like, no, nah, man, such and such got 25%. Yeah, and nah, I, I mean, this yeah. is all happening. We're talking yeah. about projections without refinancing, without getting lines of credit against the building. We're just talking about straight, if we just leave it alone, we're not talking about raising rents or adding anything. It's just where we are now. We're going to project this to kind of go out for the next eight to 10 years and we're good. You can always add things. So, Absolutely. so I, I want to go to the second facility. Okay. Where is it? That one is in Arkansas. <laughs> so you. Live in New York. Yeah. You bought something in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Then you bought the second one in Arkansas. Yeah. How many units? That's 109 units. It's bigger. We're getting bigger. Yeah, you're definitely taking steps up, baby steps. How much? That one I paid 650000 for. So you paid less? I paid less. Why? Um, Because of the area. Okay. Right? So it's just, just like residential real estate, right? If you buy in New York versus if you buy in Cleveland, it's going to be a different price range, right? Yeah, you get more. Um, but the rents are cheaper. So mm-hmm. what I could charge for a 10 by 10 in Pennsylvania, I don't charge that same price in Arkansas. What part of Pennsylvania? Um, it's Fayetteville, Pennsylvania. Where is that? Give me something like a... Um, it's central Pennsylvania. Okay. Are you familiar? You know where Harrisburg is? Yes. It's probably about maybe an hour 
from Harrisburg. For what 10. about Arkansas? Where are we in Arkansas? Jacksonville. Jacksonville, Arkansas. Yeah, that's about maybe I would say thirty minutes from Little Rock. Okay. So we're not, we Little Rock, Conway, we all in that same little yeah. that pocket. All right, so how is that one going? That one is going well for me. Okay. Um, because when I bought it, it was already like 90% occupied. Mm. Um, didn't have to, like, the, the facilities that I like to buy, I like to be turnkey. Okay. At least for me right now. Um, I'm going to go into more of like development and like renovations and conversions. I know we got some things that we're working on. I want to talk about that but one, too. I, I started out, because for me, it's like it's it's easier to get financing when it's already cash flowing, right? When it's not cash flowing and you have to go in and do renovations, it's not with residential. You could buy a beat-down house and get a hard money lender to give you the money to buy and fix it up. Um, it's not the same when it's self-storage, right? You like It has to, at least if you're going through SBA, they want to make sure that the financials are... 1.25, 1.1 possibly debt service coverage ratio. Um, they may give you financing to like do renovations on top of it, okay. but that's that's tough to pull. Like underwriters, they're tough. So that one's 90% occupied. Mm -hmm. First one, so one, two. We got the third one is where? Mm -hmm. The third one is in Pennsylvania as well. Okay, so you got two in Pennsylvania, one in. So the third one, you bought it when? Like how long ago has it been? Because this, all oh, this is happening in two um, years. Yeah, so this was... July July of 2022. Oh, you just bought this one? I just bought How it. many units? That one's 106 units. <laughs> and how is it going? All of them are going well for me. They're going well. I don't, and again, because I bought it already cash flowing. And again, that's why I, I, I talk about it so passionately because um, a lot of the tenants, they put their items in there and they don't come back. They put it on a credit card, auto pay. And if you think about it, Let's say I have an apartment. I'm charging somebody a thousand bucks a month, versus you rent out a storage unit is ninety bucks a month on a credit card. This payment is a much easier payment. You're not mm -hmm. really thinking about. You probably don't even notice that it's hitting your card. So it's more of a retention rate when we getting paid every month versus I have to go find that a thousand dollars from That's you and you can't pay with a credit card. You need to pay it, you know, cash check. <laughs> you know, it's a different conversation. Um, so yeah, you know. Why self-storage, though? I, I get what you're saying. What's the benefits of self-storage? Like, you, you 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 sold some multifamily, mm -hmm. which everybody talks about multifamily, mm -hmm. right? Everybody says, let's get into multifamily. You know, I love multifamily. Mm -hmm. Why self-storage? I love multifamily, too, but I love self-storage better because I don't have to deal with tenants living in my unit. Yeah, oh, okay. You know, I don't have to deal with toilets, right? I don't have to deal with kitchen sinks leaking. Like These are the things that I experience. I only speak from my own perspective. Yes. And again, it may have been my strategy, but when I was buying a lot of my units, I was buying in low-income areas, mm -hmm. a lot of deferred maintenance on these properties. So I'm getting phone calls at midnight. Oh, the kitchen sink is leaking, right? Oh, the, the bathroom is clogged. There's a plumbing issue. So I'm spending a lot of money. Even when I get rid of a tenant, I have to spend 10, 15,000 to renovate the unit. Yeah. So now as I'm looking at my bottom line, I'm saying, damn, I'm spending 10, 15,000 to renovate it. That's and I bring for some, the year. Yeah, that's all. I'm, I'm done for the year. I bring a tenant in there. I have to wait X amount of years to get back what I put out versus self-storage, three, four, five hundred bucks to clean out a unit mm -hmm. and get the next tenant in there. <laughs> so, but the income is much smaller. It is. It's much smaller. It is small, it's smaller per unit. Per that unit. is true. Now, for me, it's more about freedom. Okay. Right. Now, in no business, you're completely free. You always have to have some type of hands on, but I don't get the same type of phone calls, right? I don't have that same type of stress um, around it. And for me, that I'm cool with making a little bit more money, a little bit less money. But I want to add this to it. Because right? I, I got a question. I just heard you say, I can't, go ahead. I got to add this to it. <laughs> we have other streams of income that comes out of the self storage facility. Oh. So, okay. as you know, in commercial real estate, even when you buy apartment buildings, the net operating income, as you drive it more, that increases the value of your, your building. So, so it's not based on comps? It's not based on comps. Okay. It's based upon your net operating income. Now, with the self-storage, we partner with U-Haul. So U-Haul comes in, and they run the entire transportation service. And all your facilities? Not all. Only one of my facilities. Because it has to meet certain criteria, okay. right? As far as population, foot traffic, a lot of different things that U-Haul is going to... Um, Assess before they decide right. to go. It got to make sense for their business model. So only one facility has it. Um, however, 
that's an additional stream of income because now they provide the transportation service. I'm necessarily not in the transportation business because I'm not managing trucks. I'm not dealing with breakdowns. It's all you all. They just give me 30% commission because they're running through my facility. Mm. Same thing, vending machines. So I have a vendor that comes in, put two vending machines on a facility. They stock it with the snacks and the drinks. They get the money out of it. They make sure if there's a broken light, they come in and fix it. I don't do any of that. It's a number on the vending machine, and we just call it and say, hey, we got a call. Come in. And they give me 30% commission. So these are the things that I implement to generate more capital. And then now I drive my net operating income up higher, and now I increase the value of my facility, cash out, refinance, and keep going, buying more assets. So that is that your plan on your facilities not selling but cash out, refinance, go buy another one? But at some point, you got a lot of debt, and then what? You got a lot of cash, too? Yeah, I don't, I don't care about debt. That's just me. <laughs> I don't care about I'm not, Like Everybody has different opinions. Oh, I don't care about debt. You know, because I I have the right strategy, at least so far, that I've been working on it. And um, as long as I have the cash flow covering the debt, mm -hmm. that's all that matters because it's not me paying it. It's the tenants paying it. Correct. It's the business paying it. They're paying the debt, and I'm just taking the profit in between to go and reinvest. Now, when you say reinvest, mm -hmm. I got two questions. But you know, okay. reinvest, how do you know what to reinvest in? Like, what's what's the like? You know, with fixing and flipping, people say seventy percent ARV. Mm -hmm. With you know, with rentals, they say one the one percent rule, mm -hmm. right? Which I don't always agree with, but <laughs> yeah, the one percent yeah. rule. What is that magical formula. I'm looking at this. I'm watching this. I'm listening to you. How do you go out and find it? What's that number you look for? So it's not an actual number. That's why it's a little different. It's, okay. it's going to be hard for me to actually explain it um, thoroughly, but I'm going to do my best, right, to make it very simple. There's a few factors that I'm going to look at, right? When I look at a facility, number one, I'm going to look at the cap rate, okay, right? But even if the cap rate is not where I want it to be, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to buy it because now the next thing I want to look at is called supply index. Mm -hmm. So that tells me the demand for a facility in the area. So you could have a facility, but there's not enough population where your unit's not being rented out because it's a dead area or the population is declining. So you take a five-mile radius, you get all the total units in that five miles, mm -hmm. and you divide it by the population. If you get a 7% or below, that means there's an opportunity to do some more marketing, get more people in there because the people are there. If it's 8% and above, that means that's too many units for the amount of people that's in there. So you just don't buy those? I don't buy those, no. Okay. That's, that's my formula, right? So I'm looking at cap rate first, mm -hmm. then I'm going to look at the demand for the area, and then the next thing that I'm going to look at is where could I add value? Okay. Is there an additional land to do some expansion? Is there a college nearby? Is there a school, hospital? What's going on in the area to where maybe we could partner? So we have an apartment complex that is not far from one of our facilities. Mm -hmm. So we go to the apartment complex and say, hey, any of the tenants that move in, we want to give them first month rent free. So now we're partnering with different businesses in the area to bring in more foot traffic, bring in more revenue. How could I add value? Can I bring in vending machines? Can we do the moving service? Can we do the transportation service? Mm -hmm. um, right now, and this is Crazy. I can't wait to you know show this whole process, but we're creating content studios in um, the units. Inside the units. Inside the units. So now we're going to be able to shoot podcasts, do photos, videos, and rent it out per hour versus per month. So just how, how could I maximize on this facility? That's a great That's concept, what I'm looking at. bro. That's yeah. a great concept. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So that's how you find them. Mm -hmm. So now I, I you know, Recently brought you something, an opportunity, yeah. right? And, you know, I don't know it. I don't know the business. I don't, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to learn it, right? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I got a partner. That's a fact. And you, yeah. right? So when we visited that facility mm -hmm. and I sent you pictures, what were your first, like when you, because you called me, you was like, hey, Ramon, initially you said oh, we maybe can pay this. Mm -hmm. Then you you got the tax returns because mm -hmm. you always want to get the tax returns when we analyzing them, mm -hmm. right? Um, you said, well, no, nah, I can pay this based upon this number. Mm -hmm. Once you look at it, what else is there to look at? Have you looked at like the, uh, what did you say, the uh, area to see the, the demand for the area? The Have you had a chance index, to look at it? I did. It meets the supply index. Because uh, yeah, every one of them that was close by was full. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So the 
that's a great the opportunity is a great facility okay. right the area is a demand for the area mm -hmm. um there's a lot of opportunity to make money there there's a few red flags obviously it's just the renovation process right Correct. so i'm just thinking about permits zoning just a lot of different things i'm not familiar with that county and that town so i'm not sure how strict they are when it comes to that renovation process mm -hmm. and everything that we'll have to do there i've seen a lot i've seen mold i've seen different things that was going on so that's just a concern because i've not in the self storage space but in the residential space i've purchased properties with the plans of renovations and then things come up and now we're waiting on permits for months we sit and now we have to pay interest carrying costs so just being mindful of how long is it going to take to get it up to speed, right? right? Now that we get up to speed, we have to start marketing. I did notice that there's no marketing as well. So that's a good thing for us. Yeah, they have zero. They have zero marketing. So nobody <laughs> knows about the facility. Um, but now how long how, how long do we have to market before we start to get people in there? Um, what else did I notice about the facility? Because it's a... At some point, it was a really nice facility because it has the office. It has yeah. a really a decent apartment, you know, that you got a guy that stays there 24-7, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, we can get into that. So with something like that, because, you know, for me, we, we generate leads. Mm -hmm. And I believe if we're training people right, and, you know, again, I tell people, listen, you call me about self-storage, I'm, I'm telling them I'm calling you, yeah, right? Exactly. How do we take advantage of those type properties? Because that's mom and pop. Mm -hmm. It is... It's huge. It's 294 units, mm -hmm. but it's some red flags. Yeah. So now for you, how do you say, okay, Ramon, I need 10 more of those. I need one more of those. You know, how do, how do we analyze that? Having the right team. Okay. That's very important um, because we have to have the capital, right? So mm -hmm. that facility, nine out of 10, we're not going to be able to get financed through SBA. That's going to be raising capital private, privately. Okay. You know, um, we can try to do some hard money. Um, but primarily it's going to be raising capital privately. So now when you are raising capital from private investors, just knowing what their comfort level is, I know me, I like to make sure I have reserves of my own money before I take somebody else's money. Okay. So if I'm taking 500000 I know I have 500000 over here sitting that I could pay out if things Maybe. go left. So gotcha. kind of going through that process to make sure we have um, the, the, the financials together. Okay. And then the second thing is just the construction piece. So. Okay. Um, boots on the ground in that area, who's going to be doing the operations. You know, a lot of the, that hands-on process, we have to make sure that we have. Like those those are the two biggest things. Outside of that, I think it's a home run. I, I'm excited about it. I think this. it's a home run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. um, because I I understand where we're great at, uh, and that's building those boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, you know this business like the back of your hand, though, man. And, and I'm, you know, I had nobody else. I, I had <laughs> nobody else I even could have imagined taking it to. Mm -hmm. Even if somebody's gonna pay more money, I don't. That's not always the driving force for us. You know what I mean? Because if you do this one, your brand—I'm gonna call it—you know—the newest brand. Mm -hmm. I can. Uh, I'm excited about seeing it all over the country. You know what I mean? Thousands and thousands and thousands of units, right? Mm -hmm. And you sell it to the REIT, and then we off <laughs> on the water somewhere. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> so now we got all the good stuff mm -hmm. out the way. Make yeah. good money. I ain't really worried about a lot of tenants. Two things I want to ask about, the cons and the management, mm -hmm. right? So I want to, let's start with the management. Who manages the, because I keep hearing you saying you don't get phone calls like you did with multifamily. Mm -hmm. Why are you managing your multifamily anyway? Just trying to save money. <laughs> That'd be awesome, yeah. All right, so. Yeah, so, trying to so, save money. Because that, that is one thing that I do advocate, man. Find property managers, mm -hmm. right? Are there property managers for self-storage? Yes. So I'm answering, so I was looking to save money. <laughs> okay. But then I did hire a property manager and I still was getting the phone calls because he get the phone call, but then he still gotta call me to make the decision on gotcha. whatever's gonna happen. So I felt like I still wasn't too far removed from it. And that's any business. Mm -hmm. Um, but in self storage you have management companies as well. So is it like mom and pop? Like say say when you bought the property in um, Arkansas mm -hmm. was it already being managed by a company that you took mm -hmm. on, or did you have to find a management? I had company? to find a management company. Okay, what what do you look for in a, in a management company for a? Because um, there's not a lot of people that manage self storage. It's, just a, it's, it's a few like top big dogs that manage a lot of the facilities. Okay, but I look based upon referrals. So I'm going to go to the nearest facilities in the area, and I'm going to ask them and find out what management company that they're using, 
And that's probably who I want to go with because they have that footprint in the area already. Are the big ones managed in-house? Like do they, the corporate ones, are they have their own kind of management? They have their own management. So yeah. like life storage, even though that's its own thing, they do also offer a management service. So you may see extra space, but life storage actually may manage some of these facilities on a big corporate level. So you, you would you hire life storage? They're too expensive for me. <laughs> too expensive for me. So too got, expensive for yeah. you. But do they when they manage? Do they also market? Oh yeah, they do everything for you. Like it's hands off. They're gonna make sure that the units are rented out. Whenever there is somebody that needs to leave, they'll get them out. They go through the auction process. They'll get it re rented out. You know, you just pay your payroll. So your payroll is still gonna be as you have to pay your payroll. They just manage the employees and the process and making sure that the business is running. Got you. So management, we got that down, Pat. Mm -hmm. Give me a con. Cause I know people going to watch, no, man. They, and they're going to be like, <laughs> they're going to be like, man, he capping, man. He ain't telling the truth. He yeah. it ain't all good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause people are always looking for the negative, yeah, right? That's true. So let's, let's talk about the negative side of yeah. self store. What is it? Cause honestly, other than small payments, mm -hmm. I don't see why you would not, Invest in self storage. It, it's not too many negatives, but any business is always going to be some type of negative. It's nothing that's perfect, right? So um, I haven't dealt with this issue myself, but I know my mentor. He buys a bunch of facilities in LA, and there's a big homeless problem out there. Yes, so you have yeah. a lot of people that try to sneak into the units and live there. You know, you have to make sure the security is there. Right. Um, so that's one thing that we deal with. Obviously, people default on payments, so that happens all the time. You know, same way somebody don't pay their rent. People do end up defaulting on their on their units. Um, I do like it only because we're able to get track of it faster. So we only do 30-day leases. Mm -hmm. So we could catch it faster to be able to go through the process to recoup or get you out. Um, but that so does if they happen. haven't paid in 30 days, you what happens? If they haven't paid in 30 days, we send them a 30-day notice. Mm -hmm. And we also put an overlock on their lock. So okay. they can't even get into their unit until they make the payment. And then once the next 30 days is up, we start the auction process. And how long does that take? The auction process, that's a one-day thing. It's just hiring an auction company. They schedule it, and they come in and do their whole process. I don't really even What if nobody buys it? Then what happens? And you just... It's you, your stuff? Yeah. So then you can sell it? So as the owner, technically, you're not supposed to... That's why you have to hire an auction company. Okay. You're not supposed to sell it. You're supposed to just get rid of it, technically. Okay. But... No, I got you. People do what they do. <laughs> I mean, do I watch like the shows. I used to yeah. be so because I've seen people open up like they were bid and they were going crazy. Mm -hmm. They open up and there's nothing in this one, right? Then they open up one that's got a 1968 Camaro that's worth three hundred thousand, but they just paid two thousand dollars for it. So, do you see that on your facilities? Like, have you seen some good stuff happen? I haven't. I haven't got lucky like that. No. <laughs> Not me. I haven't got lucky. So, got the management. Mm -hmm. We know the cons. So the cons seem so small compared to the pros absolutely which is why you're in it mm -hmm. right what's next like what what do, what are we doing next like just buying more self storage that's that's it that's all i'm diving into uh, my goal is to retire by 45 so i said by the next 15 years if i just buy two facilities a year 30 facilities 200 units per you know facility that's a lot of units that's that's my goal over the next 15 years. Do you teach other people how to identify and buy? Like, do you have students that have bought self-storage facilities? Absolutely. So I have my own a coaching community. It's okay. called Mailbox Media Academy. Teach you how to find the facilities, how to evaluate them, how to finance them, how to manage them. One of my students, she just purchased a 44-unit facility. It's very small, but at least That's she That's big, man. Yeah. To be honest with you. Like where? Yeah. What, what city? Um, She purchased it in Texas. Okay. In yeah, Texas. So she she enjoying it. It was turnkey. Like, yeah, yeah. Turn congratulations! Mm -hmm. Shout out! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow! And is that where you're leading them, or do you also teach them multifamily as well? Both. So we do apartment buildings, small apartment buildings. That's our niche, like ten to thirty units. Okay. Not big apartment buildings, hundred to two hundred, because that's a different ball game you need to be in. Um, but we like to target independent mom and pop. So even with multifamily, even with multifamily, ten to thirty units, nine times out of ten, you could find an individual like yourself that owns some things, and you could have a build a rapport, you yes. could have a conversation, and um, you can get a good price versus trying to buy two hundred comp, two hundred unit complex 
big dogs come in there. You know, they got money. They, they got long money. Yes, it's a different process. But that's where you're going, though. You're going to be that person in 15 years. Somebody's going to be sitting there saying, man, the newels, doggone holdings, man. They just buying up all this stuff, man. They ain't leaving us. You know what I mean? That's so, it. but I like you keep saying freedom. Mm-hmm. What does freedom look like to you? What What does that mean? Like mm, That's a good question. Um, freedom to me is being in control of my time. Mm-hmm. That's just most important to me, right? And that's why I quit my job at Pepsi. And I never knocked Pepsi because I learned a lot, you know. And without them, I wouldn't be where I am in business. But I want to spend time with my family. I want to be able to see my sons grow up. I want to be at every – I never missed a doctor's appointment. I'm at every doctor's appointment. Uh, I wrote, Well, he took a pause on it, but my – well, he's 20 months now. Time fly by. But he's 20 <laughs> months now. But every Thursday at 9 a.m., he would have his swimming lessons. Mm. And I would be the only dad there. And I took pride in that because every other dad is probably out working their jobs, providing for the family. But I'm able to still provide for the family and be here at swimming lessons. I don't even know how to swim. My dad ain't teaching me how to swim. swim. Nah, I need to learn how to swim. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm teaching him how to swim so he can be a better version of me. You know what I'm saying? But that's the things I want to do. I want to be able to be able to have great moments and know that you know my family can say dad was always there. I gotta get into. I gotta ask this man. Yeah. You're 30. Mm-hmm. You're married. Mm-hmm. You got a 20 month old and a you got a new baby. New baby. How old is two it? months? Two months old. Yeah. Right. Two sons. Two sons. Is that tough? <laughs> tough. Yes, it is. Is it worth it? Worth every ounce of it. What are your goals like? Over the next, because I heard you say retired forty five. Yeah, you can be bored, so you're gonna keep buying, right? We're, like I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be laughing in the next yeah. fifteen years, like dude, you gonna be out here with us, right? Yeah. But as far as your family and your legacy, what are you? What are your thoughts and goals for the next? Like, what do you want to be in the next five years? That's a really good question. Um, so one of my goals, and we talked about this, right? I want to become a private lender. That's just truly my goal. You will become. I will become, there you go, great. I will become a private lender. That's my goal within the next five years because money's a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not for us to sit back. Like you're, really, you're truly not wealthy if you can't help other people. You know, it's selfish if you just have money for yourself and you can take care of you and your family, but real wealth is when you could actually impact the world, impact other people. So I want to utilize my resources to help the next generation of real estate investors and entrepreneurs to say, hey, I'm going to invest in your businesses. I'm going to help mm. you buy these properties and not discriminate or not make you fill out 30 pages of paperwork, all the different <laughs> things they make us do to hold us back. You know, I understand it. Um, that's my goal. And ultimately be able to, you know, share this information with my sons so that they can adapt the mindset because that's the most important thing. They need to mindset. Adapt the mindset. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with um, my attorney the other day because I got my trust and, Every time I buy a facility, I have to update my will. And it's just different conversation. I'm like, I'm scratching my head. I can't, I, it feels surreal. I can't even believe that I'm able to make decisions for my sons, 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 and sons, sons mm. at, at this point. So, um, yeah, that's that's what it's about. That's big. Yeah. So you're not just blowing the money. No, no. How much of this money? Because you're making a lot of money, refinancing, you putting <laughs> that money. Come on, don't How, say that. No, don't say man, that. no. We got, listen, <laughs> listen, before. Yeah. How much of this money are you spending or reinvesting? Because you said you reinvest a lot yeah. back into the business. Is there a percentage? Like, how do you determine, man, I want a new Phantom. I want a new truck. I want to spend 50000 on this trip. Like, what mm-hmm. helps you make those decisions? Um, I don't. I, I just, I reinvest every penny into the business because I understand that I have time. I feel like I have time on my side, right? And I've learned from my dad he owned property. He did different things, but he would go out and buy a new Hummer truck, right? He would go buy the new Benz. And then 10 years from now, like, what happened? Where'd it go? You know what I'm saying? So I have that in the back of my mind. Maybe it's a little bit of trauma where I don't like to spend money crazy because I know that this could go in a blink of an eye, right? So I need to reinvest in mentorship so I continuously learn. Mm. And, you know, I say it all the time that a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I want to mm. be wise. I want to learn from you. Whoever I got to pay. If I make 
a million dollars, I need to take half of that to my education. I need to take another quarter of that to hire new people, to bring more talent around me so I can get to the two million, so I can get to 10 million, right? Not take it and go buy a Phantom. Not take it and go buy a jury. Like, we could do that all day long, you know? So I invest everything back into the business and my development and where I'm going to go to the next level. You're such a visionary. Yeah. What's delayed gratification? What does it mean to you? Man, you got the you got the good questions today. Delayed gratification means to me. So you you plant these seeds, right? And for me, this is how I think. I'm I'm planting these seeds to grow this tree. I may not be able to sit under the tree and get the shade and sip mm. my lemonade. Like that's how far I'm thinking. Delayed gratification is understanding that what you're doing today, you may not see it. But somebody else is going to be impacted by it and being okay with the results later in life, being okay with having patience, right? Um, so that's just how I look at delayed gratification, knowing that I may not be able to be under the shade, sip the lemonade from the trees that I've planted and put these seeds in place. But as long as New World's Holdings is going to be, like that's Marriott, right? Trump, all these yes. I want my last name to be on these buildings, my last name to be all over here. And when my sons walk in different rooms, oh, sweat, all right. Let them, let them get through here. Yeah. You know, that that power in that name. Um, so delayed gratification helps you get the power in that name, which unlock any doors like beyond money. Wow. Listen, man, this has been, how do we, tell them how to find you, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You can find me on Instagram, mogul lifestyle underscore. Um, we verified now. I did pay the $14.99. <laughs> we verified now. So you ain't got to worry about the fake pages. Um, YouTube, mogul elite club. We always dropping game. Facebook, Ramel New Worlds, Mogul Lifestyle. Um, we always dropping game, just you know, empowering, giving our information. Listen, man, thank you for being on today. Y'all listen, thank you for watching, joining another episode of the Late Gratification Podcast. This is fire, y'all. Go like yeah. it, subscribe, go follow my brother. Make sure you do what he's saying, do though. Like, don't just sit and watch it and don't go do nothing, y'all. Listen, mm -hmm. again, thank you for watching another episode of the Delayed Gratification Podcast. I'll see y'all on the next episode.